When looking at remote jobs on the Vertforce Recruitment Arsenal, you're going to see two types of positions, the independent contractor status position and the employee position. We get so many questions about the difference between the two employment types. So today I am meeting with Peter Spanos, Vertforce's own attorney, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of being an IC or an employee and dispel many myths that have come up about striking out on your own as an independent contractor. Virtual employment is here to stay. I'm military spouse, Vertforce founder, and your remote work expert, Kimber Hill. Subscribe now to learn how you too can thrive in the virtual workforce. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Vertforce podcast. I'm your host and Vertforce founder, Kimber Hill, also your remote fairy job mother. Today, I have labor and employment legal expert and Vertforce's very own attorney who I appreciate and adore so much, Peter Spanos. Welcome, Peter. It's good to be here. I look forward to talking to everyone today. We're going to have a great conversation. Peter is a law partner who brings more than four decades of national employment law experience to Taylor English Duma. He works with a variety of clients, including Vertforce, and he does it all, you guessed it, remotely. So Peter, I'm so happy that you're here. Tell us, what is your favorite activity that you would find yourself doing when you're not practicing law? Well, my primary hobby actually is training German Shepherd dogs for sports. Oh my goodness. Um, training them to track and do obedience and ultimately to compete uh, against other German Shepherd dogs in uh, special competitions that are all about performance. So, Peter, that's incredible. I had no idea you did that. Well, not many people do it. It's a very selective and um, a very rewarding sport. And it's fun to work with the dogs. Absolutely. How many dogs have you trained? I've trained four competition dogs and I've owned, including puppies and so on, I've owned seven German Shepherds. Seven. Seven. Wow. Okay. I'm right, gonna now, have right now behind me asleep is my canine administrative assistant, Zarko, who is my last co competition dog. Zarko. What a great name. I wish we could meet Zarko today. If he wakes up, you'll have to bring him on camera. He might pop on camera, in which case you'll know, you'll know what's happening. So he's normally welcome. He's, yeah. <laughs> Zarko. Oh, how old is Zarko? Zarko's nine. He's big. Yeah, he looks he looks bigger on the screen. But he's he's nine years old. What a sweet baby. He's all, he's all boy. Oh boy. I love that. Thank you for sharing Zarko with me. I'm gonna have many more questions for you about that in the future. But today we're gonna get into a deeper understanding of what it means to be an IC versus an employee. So why don't we get started with the basic differences? Sure. Um, as an employee, you are paid a salary or a wage determined by your employer. Your employer collects all the necessary employment taxes um, and your employer uh, remits quarterly payments out of those taxes, some of which are paid by the company most of which are actually paid by the employee. And at the end of the year, an employee 
receives a W-2 that records both the income received and the taxes remitted on a quarterly basis on their behalf. Employees also typically qualify for whatever company benefits um, are provided, but there's a lot of complications to that on both sides that we'll discuss a little further in, in the program. An independent contractor is someone that essentially runs their own business. Um, they are hired to perform often particular tasks or particular kinds of specialized things, but they don't have to be. And they manage their own taxes and their own benefits. And an independent contractor is more paid for performance than for hours worked. Yes, I love that you are framing it as performance versus hours submitted to the position. And we'll talk more about that later. But so for the IC, the independent contractor, they're using the 1099 tax form. They have so much more autonomy over their working hours. And while you said it's like being a business owner, you don't necessarily own a business. Um, and the employee, you're submitting to regulated pay and regulated benefits if there are any, and also regulated hours. Let's talk about what are some of the advantages specifically for people who wanna take on independent contractor work. Well, first of all, as an independent contractor, you have much more freedom to design your own work schedule. You have the freedom to set your own work hours. You also have to by and large your own freedom to design your own methods. Um, and of course, as an independent contractor, many, maybe most independent contractors can work remotely or in a location of their choosing, whereas the majority of employees typically work at a company location, although remote work is possible for both. Um, as an independent contractor, very often you can be located in a different, um, a different geographical location than the employer. You could be located in a state where the employer has no other one, no other workers working for it. So you gain that flexibility. You also have, if it makes sense for you, you have much more flexibility in terms of um, arranging your business expenses, your taxes, um, the, you know, you, in some cases you can deduct your home office expenses from your tax return. And if your job entails being assisted by other people as an independent contractor, and I know this would be not the customary thing among the people you work with, but you do have the freedom to hire your own workforce to work for you if that's necessary to perform your assigned tasks. Right. So theoretically speaking, you go to Upwork and start picking up a ton of clients from Upwork and you decide, okay, I'm ready to form an LLC. I'm ready to be a business and I'm going to hire additional contractors to sub out some of this work too. So I can gobble up more work and more income, but do less work myself. That's absolutely an That's option absolutely for right. independent an, contractors. An independent contractor can be an individual or it can be an individual with essentially their own small business um, running um, projects and as an independent contractor it's an important point you brought up that as an employee you basically work for one company or one organization as an independent contractor it's often the case you can simultaneously work uh, for multiple engagements so as an independent contractor you could work um, on different kinds of work for different people and mm -hmm. set your own schedules to do that 
Right. So you get more autonomy to run your own affairs as an independent contractor. And that can take the form of feeling like an employee working on a team, doing your 40 hours a week on a team, except instead of being an employee, you are an independent contractor, or that can take on the form of owning a business and operating a business. That's right. And it's important to note also that being a part of the team, doing work for the company that you're engaged by, uh, doesn't depend on whether you're an independent contractor or an employee. That just depends on how the team is organized and led. You can be as much a part of the team or as little a part of the team as your particular contribution needs or benefits from. Right. And this is something that you've told me before is classification does not impact your career happiness regardless of how you were classified as an employee or an independent contractor, it should not reflect and does not dictate your happiness with the position that you're working. That's absolutely true. This is a very important point is the work you do and whether it suits your career objectives, the, the company you're working with and whether the arrangements, whether you're an employee or an independent contractor suit you choices you've made, that's going to affect your happiness. At the present Absolutely. time, just about any occupation can be done as an employee or as an independent contractor. It's quite possible to do a lot of things as an independent contractor. You're not, you're not disqualified for anything. Uh, it's a choice of method, not a choice of career. Mm -hmm. I hear you. So I do want to touch on the benefits of being an independent contractor and selecting your own retirement plan. Um, and especially because not a lot of military spouses want to be employees because they realize that they're able to negotiate a higher salary as an independent contractor or higher compensation as an independent contractor. And they also are able to retain autonomy over how they're spending their money on their preferred retirement plan versus what the company is offering employees. And let me splice this in. A military family's plans for retirement are almost inherently always going to be different than what the mainstream civilians retirement plans are. So that's why we're talking about this for our listener. That's why we're talking about what the benefits of being an IC are in terms of retirement. Yeah, as an employee, you have whatever retirement benefits the employer offers and you don't have any choice about whether to participate in those benefits except in some cases you can elect to participate or not participate in a 401k but of course everyone needs some kind of retirement vehicle as an independent contractor you can design your own retirement and your own investment vehicles because you have the freedom of choice you can set up for example, a simplified employee pension plan for yourself that you contribute to. And the contribution allowances are higher for a simplified employee benefit plan than they would be for a typical 401k. So, but you have the opportunity to decide how much of your earnings goes into retirement and how much up to a certain point, but certainly more flexibility to decide how much of your earnings goes into investments and retirement vehicles. You also have the ability to deal with your own employment expenses 
and, and to make that decision. You can, for example, uh, as an employee, you don't have a lot of choice about the equipment that may be offered to you to work with, whatever your job may be. As an independent contractor, you typically have completely free choice of equipment, as long as you're able to connect to the employer's workplace, which is done pretty much on anything. Right. Um, then you can decide on your own equipment, you can upgrade it, you can keep it and, uh, and have it. So the, but especially when it comes to retirement and benefits, the independent contractor has more choices. Absolutely. All right. We've spent a lot of time discussing all of the great things about being an independent contractor. So I hope that you're listening and you're hearing, okay, I'm not scared of this. This is really good for me, but let's go ahead and talk about what the cons are. So Peter, can you give us insight on why you might look at the inter independent contractor status and say, hmm, that's, that may not be the right choice for me? Sure. A lot depends on whether you need the, um, the administrative support or the security of having things done for you by the employer. You know, for example, you may as an independent contractor want to be a participant in a 401k and not make those retirement decisions on your own. Um, as an independent contractor, you have an obligation to do your own tax withholding and to remit taxes on your compensation that you've earned um, on a quarterly basis on your own as an employee that's taken care of in your paycheck. You may also like the idea of having a lot of direction to assist you in performing your work. And if, if you're, if you're a, an independent sort of person who likes to make uh, their own work plans, then independent contractor is good. But if, if you're someone who likes to have support and has a lot of questions or needs a lot of supervision, then maybe being an employee is better for your situation. Um, it comes down to the idea of kind of security and having things done on your behalf versus having the uh, time and the ability to do them for yourself. Obviously, as an employee, there's certain things you don't have to worry about spending time on, or as an independent contractor, you do. So that could be a disadvantage for some people, depending on what their plans are and what they feel that they want to get from their particular working relationship. Okay, let's talk about a real scenario that we just encountered two, three weeks ago. So Vertforce was placing, we were recruiting for a chief of staff, a, a high up role with uh, a small business, a very small business. And the business wanted to give the candidate the opportunity to choose whether or not they would work as an independent contractor or whether they would submit to the, uh, the structure and regulation of being an employee. All right, so what does that look like in the benefits package? So the benefits package for employees had to include health, vision, dental, 401k. So the salary was regulated down to $80,000. But when we're looking at this role as an independent contractor role, 
which a lot of the um, qualifications of the role aligned itself to being able to support this as an independent contractor. Since those benefits were not factored in, the salary could be much higher. The salary could be about $20,000 higher as an example. So we're sitting at $100,000. So during the interview process, the candidate that, that wound up making it to the very last step indicated she wanted control of the money. She wanted to take the full 100,000, work as an independent contractor, provide her own equipment, delegate her own hours, and decide what she wanted to do with that additional $20,000 to control her own income. So a little, a little anecdote for you. If you're not aware, total compensation package for most employers, when you're coming to work for them as an employee, is non-negotiable because the benefits that they purchase are purchased in group and bulk form. So whether you use them or not, they are already purchased for you. So a total compensation package for an employee might be salary around $70,000, but about an additional 10 to $12,000 a year in benefits, whether or not you use them. You can leave them on the table and not touch them, but that funding is already allocated to your benefits and it can't be pushed over into your salary. So that's in a very highly regulated environment where we're talking about multiple employees and you coming in. You might have room there to negotiate your salary up a bit, but if you leave the benefits on the table, there's nothing there for you to do. The, the company can't take that eight to $10,000 and move it into your salary. Versus if you come in as an independent contractor, you have more autonomy. And I know that's relevant for military spouses because a lot of us, not, not all of us, I'm not speaking for everyone, a lot of us don't need the employer-provided healthcare. And we don't need the employer-provided 401ks because we're putting our investments into real estate or we're putting our investments to our own Roth IRAs. So giving you all of that information, let's now move into that discussion about um, being an employee. How does that work for um, an active duty military spouse who may be looking for employment, Peter? What kind of things there are benefits for becoming an employee? Well, first of all, becoming an employee um, allows the person doing the work to not worry about tax payments on a quarterly basis based on their income. It allows them to participate in the employer's benefit plans. If, if those are the benefit plans that they would want anyway, then as an employee, they participate along with other employees in those benefit plans. Um, in a way, being an employee makes life simpler. But there is, of course, less choice. But the other, the other thing is, if you're in a particular job that uh, requires a lot of interaction with the employer where you need to have a lot of support um, you're probably better off being an employee because the direction from the employer is expected to be greater in the case of an employee than in the case of an independent contractor so it comes down to what are the things you like to provide for yourself in your career and what are the things that you'd rather someone else do for you if you'd rather certain things be done for you, then being an employee is better. If you'd rather pick and do things for yourself and you feel confident with that, then you would probably be better off being an independent contractor. 
And if you're listening to this and you're saying, I am an independent contractor, but I don't want to be doing this stuff for myself, we can help guide you toward resources. Uh, tax software like TurboTax is a great place for you to file your independent contractor taxes. We can help point you to on-base financial advisors who can help you set up your retirement plans. I promise you it is not as intimidating as it sounds. And if you are an independent contractor, you are an employee and you're trying to figure out, okay, hey, I know my employer offers all of these incredible benefits, but I don't know how to take advantage of them. Go to your HR department. They will be able to direct you on the next steps. Um, now let's wrap this up with cons of being an employee. Peter, do you want to touch on that for yeah, us? Yeah, cons of being an employee. Well, first of all, you have much less control over your schedule of work. Second of all, you have much less control over the methods and means of doing the work. And if your plans change as you go along in your career and you decide, for example, uh, your family situation has changed and you don't need the medical benefits that you're your compensation includes whether you get it directly or not, you may find that you're locked in to uh, benefits um, or other things that that are not productive for you and you'd rather have direct compensation of some kind to do with what you want to do. So one reason why the independent contractor relationship is increasingly popular on both sides, both the worker side and the company side is because both sides gain some flexibility. Both sides have the ability to design a job individually for that particular worker. And um, it's increasingly the case that that's a popular alternative. Um, being an employee, on the other hand, you probably have, especially on a fairly large company, everything is very cut and dried. Um, you have to fit in the salary slots and benefit slots that are created for many other people. And those, as Kimber pointed out, those are often non-negotiable. Yeah, there's the salary bracket, right? You get stuck in your salary bracket. And so oftentimes becoming an independent contractor on the side while being employed is one of the only things that allows you to gain experience so you can jump your salary bracket. Just a fun tidbit for you. Yeah. Um, one other Go thing ahead. I'd like to add, Kimber, and that is um, typically as an employee, the employer will not want you to work for anyone else. That'd be considered yeah. moonlighting or a second job, and they really want your full time. Even a part-time job, they're not that comfortable with you working for a competitor, say. As an independent contractor, it's regarded as customary, and it's definitely promoted by um, your legal rights to work for more than one company simultaneously doing the same job. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have more versatility and you don't want to work for one particular company or you want to explore other opportunities, the independent contractor platform is a better way to do that by far. Thank you for pointing that out. And I think even as an independent contractor, there are uh, conflict areas of conflict that you have to evaluate when taking on multiple clients. For example, I heard recently of two competing firms using the same independent contractor for backend work. So um, don't go into that blindly. You know, you have an ethical responsibility to what the work that you're performing to make sure that it's in the best interest of the client that you're servicing. 
which is why it can be a positive thing to partner with an organization like Vertforce to help you navigate that path. Um, another thing there that we need to touch on here is what are the comparing factors? So we talked about, you know, independent contractor roles being designed by the company and the person that they're interested in hiring to create productivity within the company. And with all of these amazing startups and this flare up of incredible mission focused organizations that have developed since 2015, independent contractors have become very popular. So Peter, what are the comparing and competing factors for organizations when they're ready to achieve something within their business in deciding whether to hire an independent contractor or an employee? Well, first of all, companies can more easily hire independent contractors to explore new areas, new products, new services, or things that they're working their way into. This is one reason why independent contractors for many positions are very popular with startups, but it's also an advantage um, to both the company and the worker if they um, are working in an area that is new to the company to do it on an independent contractor basis, more flexibility. You're not making the same long-term commitment that you would be in, in hiring a workforce and, and doing employees. Um, another differentiating factor is where you're moving into a location where you previously have not done business. A company with employees, if they even have only one employee in a particular state or locality, they have to have full HR compliance for that state. With an independent contractor, you don't have to do that until you reach the point where you have a substantial workforce in that state and you start hiring people as employees. So that makes it much easier for a company to expand. It makes it much easier for a company to offer opportunities. And it makes it easier for people who want to work for a company to explore that opportunity before either side um, has the advantage of knowing how it will work out. Is that why we see so many opportunities saying 1099 2W2, 1099, or I probably should use the language independent contractor to employee, implying we'll see how it goes. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah, it's a variety of the temp to hire concept. The idea that the, the company may want someone like you to do the work, but they want to see how it goes first and so it's a pathway it's a pathway to greater involvement with a particular company or a particular organization and you doing it first as a as an independent contractor makes that pathway easier because the company does not have to make the full decision all at once they can try things out and so can you um, both sides find it easier to work up toward a, a level that way which makes entry easier Right. And it also drives a result. Um, one thing that I do want to point out too is when a company is making a decision between employee versus IC, um, it can also expand their reach of talent. They may be able to dip into another market to pull in a nationally renowned resource or someone with just higher skills than are available to them in their immediate vicinity because they are using the independent contractor vehicle to hire, right? And and the reason why is 
because they may only be equipped to bring on employees in their home state. But if they want to reach into another state and pull in a resource who's not geographically with them, the independent contractor vehicle is a great way to do that. That's right. That's right. They can, they can move into other states and they can consider people that they ordinarily would not be able to consider. So this opens up job opportunities. Um, it opens up opportunities for the company and yeah. for the worker that otherwise would be more cumbersome to achieve. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into dispelling myths. I think we've talked about all the pros and cons. We've talked about considerations the employer needs to make, but still in my candidate community, we have a lot of myths circulating. So the first one I wanna start with is just candidly, in your experience, Peter, you've been doing this for four decades. When you work with business owners, have you ever had a law client come to you and say, listen, I've got to lower my payroll cost help me switch all of these employees to independent contractors. I need a cheaper and easier way to run this business. I'm happy to say no client ever in, in the, the rather long time I've been practicing law with hundreds and hundreds of clients, no client ever has said that they want to hire independent contractors in order to reduce costs. Never. The companies, so the companies, always tell me and then we talk about why this is so they always tell me that they need to use independent contractors because it fits their business model for how their products or services are created and conveyed to their customers that makes complete sense so we're talking about the gig economy for example or production-based work where it's not about the hours you spend in the office it's about generating that final result. That's right. And it's about hiring people who, in many cases, the employer wants to hire someone that they know can do the job without a lot of supervision. Independent right. contractors are perfect for that. Oh. And that, so it makes better sense as a business model. Um, if you have some expertise and the employer wants to use that expertise, it may really be best for both sides to use the independent contractor model um, and take advantage of the, of the independent expertise. But so, I, I will tell you that, and, and it would even, even necessarily be true that anyone would save any money because the, the way in which you decide on payments to an independent contractor is different from how you decide payments to an employee. There is no, there's definitely no automatic savings, um, the each each situation can cost more or less than the other depending on everything else that's going on absolutely and just like the example we talked about earlier with you know a client deciding which way they wanted to go they knew they were going to invest the same amount of money either way it was just all about how it was going to be delivered to the talent they were acquiring um okay so tell me why you think there is this belief that employers are trying to save money by going the IC route. Do, do you think that California's big drastic ban had anything to do with that? And, and can we dive into that a little bit? Sure. Let me take California separately because in the area of independent contractors, California is in many ways a special case. So first of all, globally, um, the, 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 the frank thing to tell you is that 
there are there are certain uh, media and political interests that are opposed to independent contractors, not because it doesn't make sense for the worker or for the company, but rather because they want to increase tax revenues or because they want to enhance the ability of, of companies to be unionized or because they want, in essence, more control over companies that have more employees and are larger as opposed to smaller businesses. Um, one of the big motivations in any state for restricting the use of independent contractors is the fact that independent contractors pay their own taxes individually. Some states view this as a burden on them to collect taxes from a lot of different independent contractors as opposed to from a smaller number of concentrated companies with employees that must automatically report. Uh, in my view, this is largely a fallacy because at the end of the day, the taxes are the same. But there, there is some impetus to, um, to do it for that reason. Um, labor unions have to have very often opposed independent contractors. Again, because historically under the National Labor Relations Act, independent contractors are not employees and therefore unions can't organize them. So unions in their own self-interest have often opposed independent contractors and have given that stance a lot of publicity in the, in the media. So this really is a myth. The idea that, um, the idea that somehow independent contractors are not beneficial to the economy or beneficial to individuals that you know, have careers, this is really a myth. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So as an independent contractor, you may find that you were able to write off so much of your home office expenses at the end of the year that you're getting a tax return versus paying into the IRS. So what we see here and what I've learned from Peter, and, and we'll talk about California's drastic ban on independent contractors, but um, with California being a state that's perpetually running out of money, we're seeing that they have the perspective that minimizing the amount of independent contractors and instead putting that guaranteed tax burden on the employer to where every dollar that's paid to you is taxed no matter what, they're going to increase revenue, which is why we see a lot of this playing out over many states and why we're starting to hear these stories about independent contractors being illegal or being a, a bad way to go. Um, Peter, can you talk to us a little bit more about um, the example of California and how they banned the independent contractors for organizations and they were targeting you know, Uber and Lyft with that, with that effort and how it backfired a little bit? Sure. As I said, to begin with, uh, a large part of the reason that California's legislature passed very, very restrictive laws on independent contractors has to do with trying to generate tax revenue. Mm -hmm. Now, in the end, I don't think that generated as much tax revenue as just disrupting the economy. Another factor, and you mentioned Uber and Lyft, another factor in California was competing businesses wanted everyone to play by the same rules. Taxi companies, for example, did not want Uber and Lyft competing with them. So they supported the legislation um, and, and lobbied for it and financed a lot of lobbying for it. Uh, 
simply because they wanted to reduce the ability of Uber and Lyft to compete with companies that hired drivers as employees. And the same right. thing is true. The same thing is true in other trades and professions in California. Now, the very interesting thing about the California law is when it was first passed, um, there were essentially there's essentially no way that you could hire an independent contractor in California if the worker in question was a part of your regular business. Over the course of the next two years after the law became effective, the California legislature had to enact 52 exceptions for particular industries because they discovered that in doing that across the board sweep, there were at least 52 independent industries like real estate professionals, doctor's offices, and so on that found they were economically worse off um, or had business problems when they weren't able to hire independent contractors. So over the course of two years, 52 exceptions were generated and that's not the end. They're still coming up with exceptions, but now people have to go through the cumbersome process of persuading the legislature that your particular business really needs independent contractors. So in many respects, the California law didn't work. It's still on the books and it still creates problems if you're not in one of those 52 particular exceptions. And I, I hate to tell you this, but Vertforce is not included in one of those exceptions. So, uh, but the, the California example is a good illustration of how economically it's counterproductive to not let people make the choice. Right. Thank you. And, and what we're seeing there is too much government intervention, getting involved in private business, disrupting the economy in a negative way. That's right. So yeah, it's, it's just plain and simple. Um, so why do we see so many employers say, hey, you can work from home, but you've got to be located in a specific state? That's because the independent contractor laws used to be simpler than they are now. Um, five or 10 years ago, and, and for, the mo for most of, uh, you know, for most of the history of anyone really, you know, of legal things in, in the United States, whether or not you're an independent contractor depended on a test that was adopted by the Internal Revenue Service. Sometimes the test has had six elements, sometimes it's had 12, but it was a straightforward test and it applied pretty much across the board. In recent years, there's developed a patchwork of laws because states have taken different courses of action in regulating or not regulating independent contractors. So now we have, in essence, three different groups of states. We have the states like California, who appear to be intent on forcing people out of independent contractor roles, even if it makes sense for the individual and the business. Then we have states uh, like West Virginia, Virginia, Louisiana, Arizona, uh, Vermont, where they have partway gone down that road and they've made it more restrictive and harder to qualify. Then we have um, the majority of states, about 38 states, where in essence, the, the older rules, the, the rules that are similar to the IRS test are in play. So whether you can be an independent contractor successfully does depend on where you live and work. Um, 
I think Kimber just put uh, a graphic up that shows these three categories. Now bear in mind that apart from these three categories, there are minor differences from state to state in every state. So it's important to know exactly what your state requires of independent contractors and how the, it's usually a statute and how that is worded so that you can be sure. Um, and so the company you might be working for can also be sure. So right. that, that, and companies are making choices as to which states they can comply with and which states they can't. In the states that are listed on this graphic as most restrictive, it's very difficult for a company to hire independent contractors and they, they simply will have a hard time doing it and probably will tell you that. In the states that are listed as more restrictive, but not the most restrictive, uh, the states in, in yellow or orange, those states, employers might be reluctant to hire independent contractors, or it might be more trouble, and they might have to think more hard about the exact arrangements and whether they really fit. In the green states, even there, the company has to make an individual decision on each state. But for the most part, in those 38 states that are least restrictive, that is not going to be a difficult task. Right. And what I like to think about here, and I want to educate you on, is your physical location versus your, let's call it your fiscal tax location. The employer has to be compliant with both. Whether you are an independent contractor or an employee, there are sets of rules for the independent contractor status and sets of rules for the employee status that apply to things like unemployment insurance, workers' compensation insurance, and how you are financially filed, where the taxes for your employment are paid. So these are different, right, Peter? They're all different, yes. and. The workers' compensation laws are very, very similar from state to state, but definitely not the same. The unemployment insurance laws, they're again, they're often very similar, but they do differ um, more or less from state to state. And of course, each state has its own state tax laws in addition to the federal tax laws. So you, and this is, you do need to examine um, you do need to examine on both sides and the employer ideally can help you with this, but you do need to be aware of the tax laws, the workers' compensation laws and the unemployment compensation laws of the particular state in which you live and work. And I would argue that you don't necessarily, it's not really your responsibility to, to make that decision for the employer that you can save yourself a lot of time just by knowing and reading the job requisition thoroughly and seeing what the job requisition says about where you can live and work. Um, because your time is valuable, right? Where, where you are searching for work and when you're searching for work, um, if the employer has it stated in the job requisition, that's gonna save you a lot of time. So I also wanna add, I forgot to mention this earlier, one of the cons about being an employee is that if you are, if your employment is based upon your physical residence being in the state where you're working and you are encountered with a permanent change of station due to your service members relocation, in many circumstances, that does mean the end of your employment. I've seen it happen where an employer in Georgia could not afford to pay the taxes on an employee in Florida, I'm sorry, an employee in California, 
And I've seen where the employee could also not afford the cost of living based on what they were making in Georgia. So that's another con of the employee relationship and, and where this these components come into play. So let's tackle another misconception of independent contractor work. So first, many vert force candidates have a fear of being hired illegally as an independent contractor. They contact us either on a position that they found through our network or something they found on Indeed. And they say, hey, I'm doing this work and um, I think this is illegal for me to be doing this work because I'm working 40 hours a week or because they provided me a company computer. So, um, or maybe they're just being very inclusive and they're treating them like a team member, giving them access to all of their systems. They, they get worried. So what factors are involved in determining if a team member hired as an IC is hired and classified correctly? Well, first of all, let me clarify that if there is any risk of doing something contrary to law or regulation, that risk is on the side of the employer. The independent contractor is not the party responsible for making sure that the independent contractor restrictions in the given state are followed. That's the employer's job and it's the employer's legal responsibility. So no one, no one who's being hired needs to worry about themselves committing any kind of an, an illegal act by being hired as an independent contractor or an employee or otherwise. That, that all falls on the company. The second but is it is it one determining factor that can can no. flip it from IC to employee? No, the the tests for independent contractors are always multi-factor, and in almost all states, in all but three states, California, Massachusetts, um, and Connecticut, except in those states, it's the combination of factors, not any one particular factor that controls. So. Now, in, in any event, um, the, the idea is that the factors as to what controls, those are known. And you can determine in a given instance if you're in compliance or not. This is not, this is not very mysterious. Um, it's something the company can readily determine once they pay attention to it. So if the company, if the company has, um, you know, good internal HR and they have, you know, reasonable legal advice and so forth, there's no reason they should be making a mistake or misclassifying people. They should be and, able to do that. And, and, and actually in, 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 in what experience I have, and I'd be interested Kimber and yours, companies have already figured out what states they can do things in and how to do them. And they have internal guidelines that protect them from misclassifying workers. Yes. I, I would love to just calm your fears if you're sitting at home listening to this and you're worried. If you're getting hired as an independent contractor, especially with a company who has many independent contractors, believe you me when I say they have a legal team and they've already checked, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. I they have a legal of... team, they've already figured it out. Yeah. Companies are aware they need to comply with these laws. And again, the laws are not mysterious. Um, they they can definitely they definitely know what to do and so and, and it's their responsibility so and, it, and it, would Peter, be, it would be it would be normal for you not to have to worry about it 
If they're offering you an independent contractor position, chances are you don't need to worry about being misclassified. And uh, aren't you the first person I text when I'm ready to make a hire? I found someone that I loved. I'm trying to identify the best way to hire them. I text you. That's right. That's right. So much that Peter said, you're going to have to start emailing me. We've got to stop texting about these things. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Kimber and I regularly talk about whether a particular placement or a particular individual working for Kimber's organization um, can be an independent contractor in their state. And I have quite a stack of emails now on that subject. So, but that's, we have a- that's, that's typical, you see, and, and larger companies have even more resources to do that. Right. So, and I just, I, because we talk a lot with our candidates about can I work 40 hours as an independent contractor? So just to blanket this for you, yes, you can. That is not the single determining factor that would determine whether or not you can. The employer is looking at where you're physically located, where you're doing the work, and what the multi-factor test is in that state. So Peter, can you ballpark how many questions are in the IRS's multi-factor state? Uh, I'm sorry, multi-factor assessment. Well, in the IRS multi-factor assessment right now, there are six criteria. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's also something that we provide a lot of our clients to when they're asking what's the best way to hire this role. We provide them those multi-factor. We direct them to the IRS first. Right. Uh, we give if, them Peter's yeah, contact information right. and, and we show them how to, how to make that decision. Yeah. And all those things are published on the IRS website. Anybody can find them on Google. Yeah, you can and you can look at them. And let me reiterate, as far as the IRS test is concerned, no one factor is determinative. It's a question of the balance of multiple factors, how they add up. And and you can have one factor one way or the other without it changing the result. Right. So they're not uh, they're not distinctly weighted equally. A combination of select, a combination of a few could be weighted. Yeah, there's no one. It's it is a combination of balancing factors. There's no one factor that you have to satisfy. And I do believe I recall you telling me um, in in months past that the ability to control your hours, even if you agree to a set schedule, the ability to work remotely, those predominantly lean toward yes, independent contractor status is approved. Yes, that's right. That's right. Right. So the, the degree of control you have over your work schedule, I mean, the actual hours you work is not as important as whether you still in the end of the day, determine how many hours it takes to perform your work. Now, that doesn't mean that a company can't hire an independent contractor and say, well, we have a minimum number of hours you have to be available to serve our customers or provide services that we need in the business. That's perfectly okay. Um, but on the other hand, as an employee, you would be much more controlled in when those hours occur and and how you spend your time and whether you can have efficiencies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So another misconception, uh, employers want to hire an independent contractor so they can weasel their way out of paying benefits like health insurance and workers' compensation. Where does this come from? I never thought about it this way and until one of our candidates said this to us and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, Where does I this can, perspective come from? Yeah, I can tell you in working with lots of companies whose business depends on independent contractors, 
they do not make that choice based on benefits or lack of benefits because one way or the other they have to pay a fair compensation for the for the position and they also know that if they don't supply benefits someone else will have to um, so the the advantage to independent contractors is flexibility and suitability for the business or suitability for the way in which the worker wants to conduct their affairs um, this is not again this is not necessarily a way to save money um, or to carve out benefits that would be such a minor advantage as to be unimportant in a lot of cases so would you say now, this is it, misinformation perpetuated by the media I would say that it's misinformation that comes from the people who would like to have fewer independent contractors to get the benefits that I've talked about as far as easier taxation and unionization and you know a more a more centrally controlled workforce. So I, I think I want to dive deeper into this. I want to be very transparent and really put this on the table, but I'm going to agree and have you agree with me, this is a nonpartisan, apolitical conversation, but we do need to put the facts on the table. Yeah, I agree. This is not this is not a political statement. This is just a reflection of what is actually happening. And those involved politically on either side of any debate would have to agree with these points. Um, how you value those points in the political sphere, we're not talking about that. This is just a question of how did these ideas originate? Mm -hmm. So this goes back to the federal agencies who under previous administrations were, were tasked with the job of reducing independent contractors. Well, yeah, actually under under the current administration. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah, the, the Biden administration has expressly asked federal agencies to come up with ways to enhance the likelihood that people will be hired as employees and not as independent contractors. And the Biden administration, you know, which controls all the federal agencies, has asked all the agencies to work on that. And in addition to that, um, the legislative goals of the of the Democratic Party include reducing independent contractors. And those legislative goals have carried over to the state level as well. And this is simply because it is easier to collect taxes from companies rather taxes, than independent contractors. Yeah, taxes, and also it's easier to mandate, like it, let's say you want to mandate greater sick time for employees. Well, if they're not employees, you, you're barred from doing it. So if your political goal is that people need more sick time, then you also need to have more employees because you can't affect the, um, the leave time of independent contractors in the way you can the leave time of employees by passing laws that require employers of employees to do certain things. I hear you. So thank you for elaborating on that. And just to wrap that up, what we're saying is that this misconception that businesses are trying to be weaselly about hiring independent contractors is just a myth perpetuated by the media. It's just a myth perpetuated by because it, independent contractors are adverse to what the current administration is working to do so that they can more effectively collect taxes on your employment. Yeah, that's Peter. right. Actually, the, the, the real impact of independent contractors has been 
to open up a lot of opportunities, to allow a lot of people more control over their lives, and to boost the economy by having some kinds of businesses that can rely heavily on independent contractors and thereby move into new areas of business or disruptive kinds of businesses that, that grow the economy and create new opportunities and jobs. Um, you know, there are, there in the technological sphere, there are many companies that have benefited from the ability to use independent contractors. And what we want the listener to walk away from this episode knowing is that being an independent contractor and being an employee are both virtuous. You're safe in both circumstances. Both are equally contributing to the economy and the choice is up to the employer based on what their business needs and how they can best employ you. And the, and the choice is up to the worker as well as to right. which, which status they'd rather have depending on their personal goals. You, the nice thing is, at least as, as long as the laws remain where they are today, you will often have a choice and you can make a choice that works best for you. And the independent contractor workforce would not have grown as dramatically as it has if people didn't like being independent contractors. The fact of the matter is it's often a choice that both the employer and the worker agree on and are happy with. And that's why the use of independent contractors has grown so much in recent years. Let's tackle another question. I often get asked by our Vertforce job seekers and candidates why the Military Spouse Residency Relief Act won't work in some states. So first, let me cover briefly what is the Military Spouse Residency Relief Act. So in 2009, and I believe also in 2018, it amended the service members Civil Relief Act, allowing military spouses to maintain legal residence in the state where they lived before a PCS move with their active duty service member. So Peter, my question for you is, if you're filing taxes as a Florida resident, for example, but you're living and working in Virginia, albeit temporary, why can't you use the Relief Act to make it so the employee can legally file as a Florida employee or a Florida independent contractor? And the employer could then follow the rules of Florida, even though the work is being performed in Virginia. Well, the answer to that is each state controls the regulations and the rules that apply to the workers in that state. So if you're living and working in Virginia, Virginia's laws apply to your employment relationship. Now you may be, you may be a Florida resident for tax purposes, and that may in the end affect how you file a tax return for your state taxes, but nothing can change the fact of the rules regarding independent contractor status and the rules governing your unemployment, um, workers comp and things like that. They're governed by the state where you live and work. The Relief Act, unfortunately, does not relate to that. It's not hooked up to it. There is no connection uh, between those laws. So it's it stands on its own. It would be nice if it were hooked up to it. So maybe those of you who are lobbying can can put it whisper in the right person's ear. <laughs> right. So Peter, let's conclude this episode with one more question. In regards to career happiness, does it really matter how you're classified? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. There are many people who are quite happily working as independent contractors and enjoy those benefits. There are other people working quite happily as employees and enjoy that situation. It's a, it's a choice the company makes that allows it to make business decisions, to be in certain markets and take advantage of certain talent. And it's a choice that the worker makes regarding which regime they would rather function in, which one suits their personal goals and inclinations and, and whatever. So as I can tell you that no one's work experience depends, you know, for their happiness or unhappiness on being an independent contractor or not. It just depends on whether you've made the right choice in deciding how to relate to that company as a worker. Okay. And legally speaking, as the person performing the work, does classification really matter? Again, any risk of misclassification is entirely the employer's issue. As long as you're, you understand what your job is and you, you want to perform your job, as long as the compensation being offered in whatever form is enough to make you happy with that job or satisfied with that job. And as long as the company you're working for is somebody that you want to work for, that's all you have to worry about. And I'd like to provide one token of advice. If you are an independent contractor and you do believe you're misclassified, your organization is likely going to prefer if you ask your direct manager to provide a contact in HR or with legal where you can voice your concerns and allow them to handle it internally. And if you're not satisfied at the company, you believe that the misclassification has led to your um, unenjoyment of your role, leave the position and go look for W-2 employment or an independent contractor position that will keep you happy. All right, that concludes this episode. Peter, you are such a gem. Thank you for joining me today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to this robust topic of employee versus independent contractor? All I'd really like to say, Kimber, is it's always a pleasure to work with you. And I hope that this podcast clarifies the issues for um, you know your client base and the people you work with. So, but it's it's always a pleasure and thank you for the opportunity to participate. No problem. I think we have answered a lot of questions. We have balanced the pros and cons of independent contractor and employee. And overall, we've declared that both are virtuous, both are great, and neither should impact your career happiness. And you may want to study this episode a little bit to determine which is going to be the right path for you. Ultimately, you are going to be able to pursue what you want, barring your state limitations. Uh, but again, thank you so much, Peter, for being with us. I'm going to share some of Peter's links now where you can find him. So if you'd like to connect with Peter on LinkedIn, you can head over to linkedin.com slash in slash Peter Spanos. And if you'd like to find him on the web, that's going to be taylorenglish.com slash people hyphen Peter hyphen R hyphen Spanos. All right, this has been another incredible installment of the Vertforce podcast. If we answered questions for you today, remember to subscribe on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, be sure to subscribe there and leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate those. We'll catch you next time on our next episode. If you have questions about being an independent contractor 
or being an employee, you can email those to podcast at vertforce.us. If you loved this content as much as I loved creating it for you, remember to subscribe. Want to get in touch? You can reach me at podcast at vertforce.us. All content in this episode is the intellectual property of Vertforce LLC.